A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 408. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are continuing our discussion about Remember Me. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, it's that time of the year again when we get to our sort of Halloween season and like to cover something spooky. And here we have a BBC One three-part series from 2014, three hours in total sort of television although you may find it repackaged as two 90-minute episodes elsewhere and it's a haunting tale of an old man played by Michael Palin who's finally having to face up to some literal ghosts from the past Brian. Yes absolutely so Tom Parfit has gone missing from his care home and Detective Rob Fairholm, who was there investigating something else, investigating this accidental death, he is trying to find Parfit, who's who's gone missing. While at the same time, there are some spooky things happening at the house where Tom lived on his own that he was sort of escaping going to this care home. Yes, there's a couple of teenagers, I think, who break into the home when it's empty thinking that'll be a bit of a lark and they perhaps get more than they bargained for in the house there's people who go to the house to collect things or to investigate when tom goes missing and they find some mysterious stuff as well and of course we've got this young care worker hannah played by jodie comer who is trying to convince rob that there may be a supernatural element to this investigation because things keep happening and we start to find out a bit more we start to piece together some of Tom's past and in particular strange enough another carer a woman who perhaps looked after him when he was a child a lady called Isha who came to England from India and this is put together through some of the photographs from Tom's house giving some clues there's also clues in the house that start to suggest that Tom may not be telling the truth about his age as well Brian yes that's That's right. And we get these influences from the writer and the director coming from detective mysteries. We get a sort of detective mystery meets ghost story feel to it. And we have all of these different things sort of adding up as complications and acting as clues. So it makes quite an interesting show in that way. It does. Yes, it does. And as I say, we're starting to find out a bit more about the ghost's backstory a bit more about what she may want from Tom and what may happen if she doesn't reunite with Tom, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Now, we should talk about some of the tropes or images and themes that come up in ghost stories quite a bit and that we have we have here remember me sort of does do do that it references some of these things that maybe pay homage to some of the classics especially involving Hannah and her family. She has a dream of a strange figure rising from the tide on a beach, which is something that is a familiar image 
from Ghost Stories. Yes, there are some interesting dream sequences filmed on the beach at Scarborough, looking particularly cold and wintry, I should say, on the beach, with the ghost played by Maori Boonham sort of rising from the tide. And to me, these sequences very clearly reminded me of the dreams of Michael Horden's character in Whistle and I'll Come to You, that famous black and white BBC ghost story that Jonathan Miller filmed in the late 1960s. There was something about those sequences on a beach that just seemed very similar, Brian. Yes, and that Whistle and I'll Come to You was something that predated the Ghost Story for Christmas series, the annual event they did, and it's considered one of the influences on that. But in the Ghost Story for Christmas, there were a number of occasions where we had either beaches or things at a coastline in a sort of wintry feel near the water. So it is the kind of image that they were using in those as well. And I'll also mention again, when hopefully without giving away too many spoilers that young hannah has an encounter with the ghost in her bedroom and i'm just going to say that sort of nods back to nigel neal's famous television adaptation of susan hill's the woman in black there was something similar going on there brian as well i think yes and there are things with people awakening from dreams as we've seen in other things and so on so it does sort of pay homage a little bit there I think which is nice. And I'll mention that this is quite a watery ghost the appearance on the beach is sort of like not too much of a surprise because this ghost seems to be followed or leaves a trail of water or also little shells, little seashells, the ones that are called cowries, C-O-W-R-I-E they are little sea snail shells and often found after the appearance of this ghost or as part of her sort of supernatural, I suppose, appearances and phenomena. Yes, and it's interesting because it builds up this idea that seeing these little shells sitting there is something quite meaningful and is tied to something much more sinister. So that's sort of an interesting thing they had in there. Another idea that you have in a lot of ghost stories is the haunting effect of a nursery rhyme or a poem or a song, in this case a folk song, and often the right arrangement and a down-tempo arrangement of a folk song or a popular tune can be made to be very spooky. And in this case, they were using a variant of Scarborough Fair that is a little different from the one that we're familiar with from the 1965 Simon and Garfunkel recording. It's uh, quite possibly a tune that predates that, a variation of the tune that predates the tune that Simon and Garfunkel used. And it turns out there's this long history for Scarborough Fair By the end of the 18th century, there were dozens of different versions of it. And this is part of the way that the folk process works for folk music, that you can end up with many different variant versions that are tunes that are similar, but not quite the same. And that's what we had here. And this tune being almost familiar, but not quite familiar, was something that added a little unnerving quality there that 
was quite deliberate in how they did this. A little bit of spooky music goes quite a long way in a ghost story on telly. It certainly can, yes. So I think we should get into some of our own thoughts about this show. So, Eamon, what did you like about Remember Me? Well, let's start with the cast, Brian. Let's start with the actors in front of the camera and just say that this has got a great cast again. I know we often say that on this uh, podcast, but it really does. It's got great depth. It's got a couple or about three sort of standout performances at the, at the front. Michael Palin is just immensely sort of interesting on screen, likeable. We were talking off air about whether or not he might be the best actor from the the original Pythons, Brian. Some people suggest that he might have uh, might be the best the best actor of that group. Others thought maybe that should uh, that title should go to Graham Chapman, but definitely he can act he can handle a serious role and yeah he did very well here and he's playing an interesting character a character who's got you know a hidden past a character who is to a certain extent concealing stuff about himself lying about his age doing this fake for the start of the first episode and it's just sort of great to see michael palin back acting again we're so used to him seeing him globetrotting with his travel shows. So this is, uh, this is great fun. Yeah, so I'm going to agree that there is a great cast here, and Michael Palin was very good. He is playing not a very nice person, you know, someone who's kind of nasty and does some dislikable things on a number of occasions. But he was able to make that interesting and very much someone that we wanted to watch. And likewise, Jodie Comer and Mark Addy also, you know, made those very engaging and very watchable characters. Yeah, I mean, Mark Addy's great. How fascinating to see Jodie Comer in an early role, another actor who's gone on to sort of great things since. And I was reminded, and I put this in our notes, that we had seen a very young Kate Winslet in the Russell T. Davis show Dark Season. And we've also seen Daniel Kaluuya in The Fades, I think it was, Brian. Yes, that's right. Both of those have gone on to huge, you know, film success and award-winning careers. And I get the feeling that we're seeing Jodie Comer at a set, you know, who's going to go on to a great, you know, even bigger and better things in her career. So uh, nice to see her in an early role. Yes, absolutely. I also want to point out that I think the writing in here is very good. It gives us lots of things going on with several different characters. And you have characters who are relatively minor to the story that's going on, like Rashada Salim, the neighbor, but they still have their own things going on in their own lives and their own supporting characters and that sort of involvement and complexity of everything that was going on while still having the main events take the focus i thought that worked really well and made this 
very engaging. Yes, I like the fact that, as we've already said, everybody in this show has got their own life. They've got they've got depth. They've got sort of their three D characters. Everybody's got their struggles and their own stuff that is sort of delivered to us with a you know minimum of writing and acting. But we get to know that they've all got stuff going on outside of this ghost story, which I was quite uh, I was quite impressed with, Brian. Yes, it gives us that sort of larger cast in order to do that, which was which was nice. What about the look and feel of this? What did you think? So it's got that winter in Scarborough look to the production, which I, I think really works well for a ghost story. You, as you said, Brian, those M.R. James ghost stories for Christmas, so many of them filmed in east you know the east of england on similarly slightly bleak looking flat coastlines so the look of it the slightly washed out color palette of the production i thought was great and also of course we have to say the music is a big part of a ghost story and here that's done very well indeed i thought you know the use of scarborough fair in its versions and of course it just you know with a nursery rhyme or a folk song you can't go wrong they sound spooky yes I think this this looks beautiful. I think it was beautifully shot and the way it was all put together, I think it it looks great. And the soundtrack, as you say, has these important things to it with Scarborough Fair, but it also supports it and gives us this sort of strong, spooky quality and just helps make this a very compelling show. And while we're talking about the sound of this production, I'm going to mention the regional accents. It's lovely to hear Yorkshire accents. And of course, Michael Palin, I think, born and brought up in Sheffield. So getting to do a sort of Yorkshire accent again, plus the cast, you know, the rest of the cast doing it, the look and sound and feel of a slightly bleak, wintry Scarborough is great. Yes, and the places we see on the inside are often these sort of clinical or uncomfortable places where you have the house where we know something is is going wrong there and the care home, which has sort of a clinical and uncomfortable feel to it and we very early see that someone died there through these events. And yeah, the sense of place. There are a lot of uncomfortable places here and that worked well too. And while we're talking about uncomfortable, we probably should mention the ghost's performance. Mayori Boonham's movements, the, uh, you know, getting a dancer to do the strange movements of the ghost and then fill, you know, projecting or showing some of that, running some of that backwards to make it even more creepy and spooky. That's great stuff as well, you know. It's perhaps familiar from ghost films, but it does work extremely well. It does, and I think we also have to give them credit for not showing too much of it. We typically see sort of little snatches, little snippets of seeing her, and occasionally moments where we see her a little bit more. But they use the actual appearances sparingly, and I think that only helps to make it more powerful. Yes, it's, you know, less is more, I guess, with ghosts. 
ghost, isn't it? And the less we see of them, the more slightly scared of them we are. So we have to talk about elements of the show perhaps didn't work quite so well or raise a few questions. Did you have anything in the negatives column for this show, Brian? I don't particularly. On the whole, I think it worked really well. So I'll mention that a couple of things. One is that we know that the audience sort of dropped off a bit towards the end of the three episodes, which I guess happens with any uh, new show but whether or not it delivered on the promise of the initial spookiness of that first episode is a tricky one because you know we can't talk about the ending too much without giving it away but whether it delivered on that and actually gave us a satisfying conclusion i know that's been questioned by some viewers yes i felt that the ending actually worked very well what would be a bit more of a negative point is that the middle episode episode two had very little of michael palin in it and it was good because we had all of that searching for him and interesting things with hannah and interesting things with Hannah and Rob Fairholm working together, but it possibly lost a bit of steam with most of an episode without Michael Palin being there. That would be one maybe potential negative thing. Right. I could see if you were watching it from week to week, you know, and you're tuning in to see a show with Michael Palin, well, the that second episode, you don't get very much of him. Yes, he is missing, obviously, and the hunt is on to find him, so you, you Yes, you could do a bit more Michael Palin in the middle, but obviously that is part of the story, I'm afraid. Yeah, oh, I think it did in the end work well, but I can see that as being something that is a little bit awkward there. I'll perhaps mention those two nods to ghost stories from television of the past and whether you call those homages or whether they are perhaps slightly too obvious you know, rip-offs of what's gone before. I personally thought they were great. I thought I enjoyed them referencing previous spooky shows that we've covered, but I can imagine that some people would have thought, oh, yes, I've seen that one before. Yeah, maybe. I thought those things worked well, and I thought it did some interesting things that were a little bit new with the ghost appearance, too, especially with the shells. That was... Uh, nicely done where you see one or two of these shells and you're not sure why they're there and then you see that when the ghost is there some of these shells seem to appear and later on you have moments where you have lots and lots of these shells suddenly appearing so that I thought was sort of an effective thing I think some of these sort of visual things they did quite well in here yeah that's a new thing and I guess or a new thing for a ghost story. And I guess um, I will not quite look at those carry sea snail shells in the same light ever again, Brian. <laughs> they seemed like shiny little trinkets. Yes, It imbues them with quite a bit of meaning. It does that pretty successfully. Yeah. So we don't have too much to say in negatives. We've sort of drifted back to positives again for this show. I guess we're coming towards recommendations, Brian. Yes, I think so. Should I be starting or is it your turn to start? Why don't you start, Brian? Tell us what you're going to recommend to the listeners. I will definitely recommend this. I found it very compelling and entertaining. It was 
a good watch. It was great to see Michael Palin and the other very good actors as well. The things they did with the music and the look and feel and the visuals. This was a really strong show. And the sort of detective aspects in with a ghost story worked very well too. So I would say, yeah, this is definitely a recommendation for me. It's going to be the same for me, Brian. I'm going to recommend to our listeners that they do watch Remember Me. I enjoyed it when it first came out. I was, of course, uh, enticed by the prospect of Michael Palin. But I enjoyed the rest of the cast as well and the ghost story. And I enjoyed it again watching it this time. And I suspect I may well be watching it again at Halloween's in the future. So it's fairly easy to watch streaming on both sides of the Atlantic. So yeah, it's a double thumbs up from us here on British Invaders for Remember Me with Michael Palin and Jodie Comer. But of course, if you agree or disagree, do drop by the Facebook or the Twitter and let us know. Absolutely. Would be lovely to hear some thoughts about this one. So, in summary, Remember Me introduces us to Tom Parfit, who is an elderly man who says he is 80-odd years old, won't specify. And we see at the beginning of the show, he is living in his own house and faking a fall in order to be put into a care home on a permanent basis and to cut ties to the house where he was living. And there are clearly issues with that, which we, of course, find out in a ghost story, is related to something supernatural. And we see Parfit being possibly followed by death. There is a social worker at this care home, as soon as he is there, who falls to her death. And then we soon get Hannah Ward showing sympathy for him. And this police officer, DC Rob Fairholm, also taking interest. And when he disappears, the two of them are looking for Tom. And there is this sort of missing persons aspect where at the same time we're getting into these strange supernatural things that are happening and questions about why are we hearing Scarborough Fair, this early, not as well-known version of the folk song, and why were there so many copies of the sheet music for it where Tom lived and so on. And we move towards something where we learn about what is behind this and what is the nature of this ghost that we're dealing with. Fascinating and spooky stuff. Give it a watch and let us know what you think. Absolutely. And please come and join us again next time. It's that time of year again, Brian. John Steed is yet again needed as we cover the final series of the 1960s The Avengers television show. The Tara King Years, Series 6 from 1968 to 1969. And I think we've got 33 episodes to watch, Brian. Yes, that's right. And it's always fun to come back to the Avengers. Can't go wrong. So until then, you can find all of our episodes, including all the old ones that you don't see in your podcatcher feed at BritishInvaders.com. Over 400 of them there, all available. And if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find and join our group there and let us know what you think about Remember Me or about the Avengers and 
Tara King and the Avengers. We are also on Twitter. You can follow us. We are at Brit Invaders Pod. So we'll hopefully see you there too. Yes, please. Come tweet at us. Come and join the Facebook group. Tell us what you thought about this show and also what you think about the Avengers and who's your favorite companion for John Steed. Yes, the co-stars were always interesting in the Avengers. And please come to vognetwork.com, the Voice of Geeks Network. British Invaders is a proud member of that network. You'll find us there. You'll find other podcasts such as the Bobby Blackwolf Show, You'll find lots of gaming content and other stuff. Bobby, of course, has been a guest on this uh, series, I believe, Brian, when we covered the Hitchhiker's computer game. Yes, that's right. Bobby is a friend of ours, one of the people running that network. So, yeah, lots of good stuff there. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much for being with us. Until next time, it's Eamon in England saying, Remember me.